Hey, all. Welcome to Restraordinary Marriage with Gil and Brenda Stewart, sharing tips, tools, and tingles for your relationship. We bring practical information for those in remarriage, marriage, or long-term relationships. Our hope is to inform you with new concepts and remind you of old relationship skills you've forgotten. Listen for action steps at the end to use with the love of your life. With Dirt Under the Fingernails experience, let's get to today's topic. We are. Well, good. Well, hey, welcome, everybody. We are here with uh, Joel Habaker this evening, all the way from Alabama. And we're going to be talking about stepfather-in-laws and resilience. (laughs) And, you know, Joel comes from a high school educator's position and a role in his own life as a stepdad and and just a, a fine, fine human being in the southern part of the country. So I'm waiting to hear the you alls and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I don't know what else you might want to say other than maybe kind of introduce Hi, yourself. Yeah. Hi, Joel. Introduce yourself a little bit. Yeah, thank you. Um, I am from Alabama. I am a high school teacher. I've been doing that for uh, almost 13 years now. Um, spent a lot of time uh, teaching history and Bible classes. And uh, I'm actually the biological dad. My wife's the stepmom. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've got two daughters from uh, my first marriage. Uh, they are 12 and almost 15. Wow. And um, so I've been, I've been part of a blended family as an adult now for uh, my wife and I have been married for about five years. And as a teenager was part of a blended family situation when my parents divorced in middle school. About a year later, my mom started dating a guy that I still refer to as my stepdad, even though they never married. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got to see... I got to see that done really well because my mom and my dad and my stepdad made it a point to continue to celebrate holidays and birthdays and things together. And so I've always been really grateful for that kind of um, example, that kind of, uh, that kind of uh, situation where I could see it done really well. And so now I spend a lot of my time working with blended families to try to help them live sort of a more harmonious lifestyle. That way they just, if everybody gets along better, then uh, that's always a happy thing. So that's what I spend a lot of my time doing. Yeah. And what do you find as you're uh, speaking to these families? I mean, how many of them are being harmonious and how many are (laughs) like, ah! (laughs) Well, you know, it's like anything else in the world. It's really easy to do badly. To do it well is going to take work. It's going to take self-sacrifice. It's going to take uh, humility and effort. And a lot of times uh, it's a matter of, helping the adults to see or to remind them, listen, we need to act like the adults. Yeah. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, and so one of the things that I try to charge uh, families with doing, whether it's biological parent or step parent is to you, I want to see you act like the adult you want your kid to become. Nice. Uh, and so the, the kind of, you know, the kind of adult you want your kid to be, if you want them to be respectful, even if they're being disrespected, then you need to model that. If you want them to be kind, even if someone is being unkind, then you need to model that and you need to model that in the hardest situation possible. And for a lot of adults, that is, I need to see you be kind and respectful to your ex spouse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you don't know what they did. You're exactly right. hundred percent right. I have no idea what they did. That doesn't change the fact that you need to model it for your children. If you want to see them grow up into that kind of adult. And so uh, I, I, I like to tell audiences, I don't have any, uh, silver bullet. I don't have any magic pill. I don't have any easy advice to give you. If you're looking for a quick fix, an easy one-step solution to your blended family life issues, you have come to the wrong place. <laughs> but but if you're willing to put in work, if you're yeah. willing to put yeah. in an effort, and if you're willing to to do the difficult tasks necessary 
well, now we can work together and I can, I can do everything that I can. I'll be willing to help you. But you have to you have to show me that you are willing to do the work because if you're not, ultimately you'll just be wasting your time and and, and that's not that's not worth it for anybody. Yeah, you're not going to get the result you want without getting in the trenches and getting your that's, dirt under the fingernail. That's it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and it, when I grow up, I want to be like who? <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have to model it. If we don't, if we don't give it, we don't get it. So that's it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, Joel, you had mentioned in a previous conversation about your relationship with your ex-wife's husband mm-hmm. and how yep. that all plays out. So, I was really encouraged to hear what you were, how you were describing that and the, the journey you were on on that. So, yeah. can you share that? Yeah, I would love to. So, uh, my girls are very blessed to have uh, the, what we call as four parents, two houses. Right, because they've got a biological dad and a stepmom and a biological mom and a stepdad, and we live within two miles of each other, and we uh, we really try to work uh, well together to raise the kids. And a large part of that is um, trying to figure out how to have good relationships uh, between myself and their stepdad, and then their stepmom and their biological mom. And this started, I mean, even before myself or my ex-wife got remarried. Uh, we kind of when when she and I divorced, we had a uh, an unwritten but very much understood and and verbalized understanding where um, if either one of us got serious with someone else mm-hmm. to the point where they were going to be spending time with our children, we had the right to have a serious conversation with whoever that significant other might be. Wow. So, and, and so what that what that looked like was when my ex-wife started dating the, the man that she's married to now, he and I had a conversation. I said, listen, I would just like to talk with you. And, um, you know, the, I'm, I'm, you can't tell because I'm sitting down, but I'm, I'm all of five foot three and a half inches tall. <laughs> You're so an not, intimidating figure. Yeah, exactly right. I'm real, I'm real scary. Um, but the thing is, I wanted to have a conversation with him, not, not to try to intimidate anybody, but just to come to an understanding. And I told him two things. I said, one, uh, these are my girls. And two, these are my girls. And what I meant by the first one was they're, they're my kids. And so I need to know that when I say something, you're going to back me up rather than contradict me. Mm-hmm. Not because it's a power struggle, but because I'm their dad. And if you were their dad, you'd want that kind of respect right. too. Right. And the second part is that these are my girls. And I am seriously competitive, or not competitive, but I'm very protective of my girls. And I know that I'm not big and scary. I don't have to be big and scary to pull the trigger or wield a baseball bat. They're my kid. They're my girls. And if you hurt them, we're going to have big issues. And he looked at me, and he was entire. And honestly, like I was a bit more aggressive than I needed to be. And he looked at me, and he said, "Listen, I'm not here to try to take your place. I'm not here to cause problems. My parents divorced when I was young, and it wasn't always pretty." And I, the last thing I want to do is cause issues. I'm, I'm very glad to work with you yeah. to try to raise these kids well. And that's been six years ago now. Okay. And, um, again, it, it hasn't always been perfect. There have been certain times when he and I have disagreed, and sometimes we've disagreed strongly. But in general, um, we've worked really hard to make sure that we both are trying to, to do the roles of a father – whenever the girls are with us. So they spend a week at my house and a week at their mom's house. Right. And when I, when they're here, I'm their dad. And when they're over there, he is their father figure. Right. And so I expect them to show him the same level of respect that they show me. And at the times when they have failed to do that, he has been willing to pick up the phone and call me and say, Hey, listen, um, I was having this issue with 
the older daughter last week, and, and she said to me, hey, you're not my dad. Uh-oh. Would, would you mind backing me up? And Oh, absolutely not. I would be very glad to back you up, and we'll, we'll deal with the problem. Uh, and so that's gone a long way towards our relationship because I know that if, if I'm having a problem here with the girls, I can call him and say, hey, listen, here's what we're dealing with. Just keep an eye out for that. Yeah. And he knows the same thing. If, you're, if they're having a problem there, he can call me and say, hey, listen, we're dealing with this. You know, can you back me up on this over there? And uh, you know, we, we've um, purposely tried to carve out time for he and I to, to, to get together one-on-one. So he and I have gone out and gotten buffalo wings together and just sat and chatted. A um, couple years ago, he and I coached our younger daughter's soccer team together. Uh, last year, uh, we coached her basketball team together. Uh-huh. Uh, th- this year, I coached soccer. And uh, he was just a parent. And this year he coached basketball and I was just a parent. But for a couple, you know, for a year there, um, my daughter got to see her dad and her stepdad on the same sideline coaching her team together. And, um, you know, that was a really cool experience. And it obviously becomes a fun story to tell when I'm speaking with parents and audiences and stuff. But it was also just a great experience for us because the thing is, he and I are very similar in terms of our athletic competitiveness. He was a, he was a, he was a really good high school athlete and played college sports. I was a really good high school athlete, played college sports, and now that we coach, we're, pretty, we're still pretty competitive. Well, of course. <laughs> you know, and, and so what was really fun was to make sure that we weren't competing with each other. Mm-hmm. We were competing as a team to try to make our, our kids better. Yeah. And um, you know, I think I'm that – you know, I'm curious, Joel, that because that's very cooperative and, and actually probably – with all the people we've talked to, miraculous that you guys really <laughs> cooperate so well um, and and navigate anything to do with jealousy or somebody feeling like they're getting their rank pulled or something like right. that. I mean, early on, did you guys encounter that? I think you're always going to encounter a little bit of that. And full disclosure, both my kids are girls. And so I think it made it a little bit easier that they are girls because I'm not the mother figure. You know what I mean? Like if they were boys, someone asked me the question actually at one of the conferences I spoke at. They said, if you had boys, do you think it would have been harder to work well with their stepdad, especially around athletics? Yeah. And I said, probably so. Yeah. Like I I fully believe that it it very well could have been, Uh, but that's not our situation. Obviously you deal with with whatever situation you're in. Uh, But yeah, early on, there were definitely some times when I was worried that – not that he was going to replace me, but that maybe sometimes the girls were looking to him when I wanted them to look to me. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they were asking him questions that I should have been, that I thought should have been directed toward me. Um, and that's where I say the humility has to come into play. Uh-huh. Because the, the truth of the matter is, I would love it if my girls always came to me about every problem they have. But the real truth is they have four parents that love them. And if they're going to a parent, I need to be thankful they're not going to a peer. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, uh, we, yeah. we've, we, our, our older daughter is almost 15 years old. Yeah. And, and we're very grateful because if she has a problem, if she wants to come talk to me, I'm 100% great with that. If you she'd know, rather talk with her mom or stepmom, I want to encourage that too. Yeah. Just hearing what you're saying there, Joel, is the fact that it's a win no matter what happens. I mean, as a high school uh, a teenage educator, if kids are going to an adult figure – right. Uh, yep. then why should I interrupt that? Uh, I, need right. to get out of, I need to get out of the way so that yeah. the other parent yeah. can parent, especially if there's agreement. So that's, that's a yeah. win all the way around. 
It is, and that's something we've also tried to cultivate by talking because yeah. we've had we've had sit downs with all four parents together. Sometimes with a mediator, especially early on when there were a lot of still raw emotions and sure. and frayed nerves. Um, and so we tried to find a mediator that all four of us trusted and respected. And that's not always easy. Uh, how but, long did that? How long did that take? Well, fortunately, it it didn't take as long as you might expect. Simply because after the divorce, our um, our two daughters. Um, we're dealing with some emotional issues like you might expect. And so the counselor that they went to see also agreed to act as our mediator when the four parents would sit down together. So just kind of moderated. Yeah. yeah. And she did a great job. We really appreciate her work um, helping us out and just, you know, reminding everybody in the room, Hey, we're here. We're here to try to raise the girls well. And so that means we need to gently remember to put our egos aside. I wonder, did she have a whistle and a white and black striped shirt? <laughs> she didn't because um, I, I, my reputation with local referees as a high school soccer coach uh-uh. is is not what I would wish it to be sometimes. Okay. Um, okay. And so for her to wear a referee uniform, I've been, uh, you know, that might have not may not have been her best move. So cookie, um, cookies and milk would have helped you settle down more. So, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or bring the dog in the room where we can yeah, pet him, you know, a little the, fuzz therapy. The service dog to kind of calm your trauma. That's exactly so right. Kind of turn the corner a little bit with regards sure. to how going through all this process and, you know, some former conversations with regards mm-hmm. to the issue around reforming, or excuse me, reframing circumstances sure. to, to build resilience because this issue, especially with not only teenagers, but I think human beings in general don't have great resilience. We cave in far too soon. And so kind of, yeah. how do you inspire people along reframing and resilience? Well, I know for me, a large part of my whole adult life going from, so when my ex-wife and I, when we first got married, I was 19. I was halfway through college. Uh, I was after my sophomore year. And then we divorced eight and a half years later, and we'd had our two kids during that time. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I got remarried. uh, This is almost five years ago now. And in that time, what I've really learned is a giant lesson in humility. And what I mean by that is just continuing to have hammered into me that the world is not all about me. Oh, wow. Um, And that, yeah. and and, and, about then? (laughs) I I know. I would have thought it was about me, too. Um, (laughs) And I thought everyone else knew it was about me. And, and when they didn't realize that, that's when I got angry. Uh, but no, I, I say that kind of tongue in cheek, but I mean that very seriously because it's very easy to forget that, especially when it comes to child rearing, because a lot of times we think I know what's best for the kid. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we do in terms of I know better than my kid what's good for my kid. Sure. But that does if there's four adults – how much arrogance does it take for me to assume that I always know best out of the four of us, yeah. right? That, yeah. that takes a large ego, not in a good way. Yeah. And so one of the major lessons I've learned is I need to be willing to listen not just to my wife, but I need to be willing to listen to my ex-wife and her husband because they also have experience and insight and wisdom that yeah. is good for my children to learn from. I think um, that that what you're saying to emphasize it, especially to somebody who's in their 50s or 60s and uh, maybe are going through the step family situation here, just mm-hmm. to emphasize that the father's knows best mentality from the 50s and 60s is long gone. Yeah. And to be able to work as a team 
sounds so weird when right. it comes to your kids, but if you have a, a right. cooperative relationship, it makes it more possible right. and the kids then thrive mm -hmm. rather than get stomped on. Yeah, and to be able right. to agree and, together that the kids' welfare mm -hmm. is more important than anything, and that's where I think we find a lot, yes. you know, as we work with couples, yep. that we're so busy protecting ourselves and what we want, yeah. and the kids are cash, right? Yeah. Right. right. Yeah, or a lot of times we assume that what we want is what's best for the kid because we want it, and uh, we have a hard time separating those things. And again, that's where it takes humility. Yeah. It, it takes a willingness to say, is this actually best, or is this just what I prefer? And again, that, that's not fun, especially when it comes to, um, to big issues. So like I, I teach high school, and I teach at a private Christian high school about 45 minutes down the road. Yeah. My daughters go to a different private Christian school. So I've spent the last six years teaching freshmen and sophomores at a private Christian school. My daughter is a freshman at a different private Christian school. And the reason for that is I would love for them to come to school where I teach. I'd love to teach my kid. I would, I would love that. Thank at the you. same time, you know, when, when their mom and I divorced, uh, we switched houses and we moved apartments and now both parents are remarried, and so locations changed and relationships changed, and the one constant in their world has been this school that they've gone to. They've both gone there since they were in kindergarten, yeah, and even thing. though it's not yeah. exact, it's not my favorite thing in the world. Like if it were just up to me, I'd have them with me, but I totally understand their mom's desire, and I understand the wisdom of the situation to say – They've always known this school. The teachers know them. The teachers love them. They're getting a good education from a theological background that we all agree with. And so who would it actually be better for if they came to school with me? Would it be better for them or would it just be better for me? Yeah. yeah. And, that's, a, and that's, not a, that's not an easy question to answer. Yeah. But yeah. I, can see why, I can see why leaving them is the right thing or is a good thing. And so – you know, if they ever come to school with me, I'd love that. If they never do, I also know they're getting a great education in a great place full of people that we love, and it's been a constant throughout their life. And if that's something we can keep stable, sure, okay, we need to keep that stable. Yeah. yeah. So, so speak to, I mean, as an educator who you probably see all kinds of families types, a lot of them are blended, mm -hmm. and that kid is how he's floundering or she's floundering and right. needs resilience. Uh, what do you say to the kid? What do you say to the parents? So the first thing I, the, uh, to start with is I try to talk with the parents and just remind them what you and I have already been discussing, and that is um, it's the, the thing we have to remember is that we need to put the, the, the kids' interest first. And, and I mean long-term interest because a lot of people mistake that by saying, well, we gotta, if we're going to put the kids' interest first, that means we need to let them decide on certain things. No, it, no. Uh, I, I, I love the high school kids that I teach. In no world do I trust a high school freshman to know better than I do yeah. what that high school freshman needs. No. And, you know, apologies to all freshmen out there, but once you're not a freshman anymore, you'll understand. <laughs> right? Because well, we've all I, been I, freshmen. I just want to back that up uh, for all the people who are realizing as age goes by, you're always a freshman at some phase in your life. Ooh, good point. That's right. Yeah, yeah that's very true. Yeah. Um, and so that's the first thing is I try to remind parents that what we need to do is keep a long-term perspective yep. and focus on what's best for the kids. 
And that means we have to put our egos aside. But then uh, to the to the kid, and I just actually had a similar conversation to this the uh, to uh, with a student not long ago yeah. who's dealing with some difficult issues at home. Uh, I said, "Listen, one of the things you need to remember is that it will get better. Yeah, it will get better. Now it's going to take time. I can't promise that it's going to get better tomorrow. But the truth is, you're not always going to be a freshman, and you're not always going to be in this difficult situation. What you what you can do right now." is you can focus on having the best relationship you can with your parents. Now, that's not always going to be easy because sometimes they take it out on you when they're hurting. Sometimes they take it out on each other. Um, and sometimes the, the parents don't get along and, and you get caught up in the middle. I'm not discounting any of that. Right, right. What I am saying is that you won't always be in the life situation where you are. So some of the kids that I teach in my Bible class are high school juniors, Right. Okay. So at this point of the school year, we're, we're recording this mid-spring, right? So that means that these kids are a year and two months away from being on their own. Uh-huh. And that, their eyes kind of get big, and I'm like, this is what I mean. It will, it will not always be this way. Yeah, now, then you get the opportunity to go out into the world and, and make up your own mess, make some mistakes. That's yeah. exactly right. You, yeah, you, yeah. you they, get to get a job get, and start yeah. paying your own bills, and, and you, get yeah, to, yeah. You, know, you, get to, you get to learn why adults are so stressed out a lot of the time. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. you know, but, but it really is it's good for the kids to also see, okay, where I am right now, this is not always where I will be. Yeah. I'm not going to be 14 or 15 years old my whole life. I'm not necessarily going to be caught up in the difficult crossfire of, of disagreeing and, and hurt and angry parents all the time. Right. Things will get better over time. They right. can get better, um, but it's going to take work. Yeah, exactly. So and so, uh, you know, as a, as a history teacher, that's easy to, to tie in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately we repeat, we, re, we, we repeat history, don't we? I, I, what is that? So kind of round the corner uh, with me and, and land on the sure. issue of hope. Uh, speak mm-hmm. hope to the issue of the, the, the parents who maybe don't have sure. as cooperative a situation as you do. And to the kids who sure. they just keep banging their head. But, you know, what, what, is a, what is maybe one or two things you could throw out as, as a concept of hope? Well, again, the, the first one is just to, to keep your eyes on the long term because I can remember being in a very difficult and dark place following my divorce uh, when, when my first wife and I divorced. So within about a year, maybe a year and a half, I went through um, divorce and lost custody of my kids for a while, oh. and the house we had bought together got foreclosed on, and then I went through bankruptcy all, all within about an 18-month time period. That's and so when people are telling me it – was, it was a hard time. When people are telling me, well, I'm dealing with this and this and this, I say – I understand. I, I empathize. I remember being in a very similar place, yeah. um, but I'm not there anymore. And so the hope there is it will get better, but it's going to take time. It's going to take effort. And again, as a, as a coach, this is an easy analogy to make because I can talk with my athletes and say, remember where you were when you were a freshman or when you were in middle school and look where you are now as a junior or a senior. Look at the way that you've grown academically. Look at how you've grown athletically, how you've grown spiritually. And I can tell adults the same thing. You know, if you're, you know, you're mentioned, let's say someone's in mid boards and they're dealing with family difficulties, you say, okay, are you the same person that you were when you were 35? Good. Then you then you won't be the same person when you're 50 as when you're 45. The question is, who are you going to be, and how are you going to get there? Because you have control over more than you think. Yeah. Now that, that doesn't 
Yeah, and that doesn't mean you can control the other person. And I learned that. <laughs> Actually, it's really funny. Um, my first wife's father, so my former father-in-law, yeah, um, taught me that. He taught me that lesson many years ago. Not long after the divorce, um, I was I was angry about something, which is a pretty constant state of my life at that time. And I went over to talk with him because I felt like I had been wronged by his daughter, and we needed to talk about it to figure out how to fix it. And I said, I just she needs to do this. And he looked at me and he said, Joel, I love you, but I need you to remember something. And I said, okay, what's that? And he said, listen, if you couldn't control her actions when you were married, mm -hmm. what makes you think you can control her actions now? Right. And I thought, oh, man, that's not fun here at all. <laughs> but you know what? He's right. I, I, and it's not my job to control her actions. That's what I had a hard time realizing is right. it wasn't my place to tell her what to do mm -hmm. and nor should I expect her to do what I want all the time. Not when we were married, not now that we're divorced, but I can control me. And I, and I learned this from my dad too. I can control my emotional response. I can control how I choose to act out of what feeling. So if I'm feeling anger, I have the choice to, to act out of that anger and say something hurtful yeah. or I can choose to act out of grace and so the person that you want, like the, the hope that I try to give people is, listen, who do you want to be a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? Then start being that person today. Right yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it's going to be real hard. But the longer you do it, the easier it becomes. It's like any other good habit. It's really hard at the beginning. But the longer you do it, the yep. easier it becomes. Okay. And, then, and then that becomes what is more natural to you. Mm -hmm. and, and so it's going to take time. It's going to take conscious, applied systematic effort, yeah. but you're not alone, right? There are people who want to help you. There are people who love you and care about you. Right. And if, if you do these things, it will get better. Now that doesn't mean they're going to treat you any better, but that's okay because you're not in control of them. If yeah. you, if you act the way that you should, if you are respectful to them, mm -hmm. even if they're not at the beginning, eventually they'll catch on <laughs> and they'll start treating you better too. You know, uh, at least that is the hope. If they don't, you're they still doing a problem. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, and, and that yeah. really is the thing. If, even if they don't, you're still doing the right thing, and right. you have the satisfaction of knowing I'm trying to set a good example, not in yeah. a competitive way, not in a no. I'm a better parent yeah. than my ex-spouse, right. but in a very serious yeah. look. I want to be able to look my kid in the face when she's 21 and say, baby, I did the absolute best I knew how to do. Was I perfect? No. Yeah. But I do know that I tried my hardest, and I tried to do what I believed was right. Yeah. And that's all I can, that's all you can ask as a parent. Yeah. I tell, I tell a lot of my clients, be kind. Life's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're exactly right. There was actually, um, I don't know if you guys listen to the band U2 or not. I, I love their music. I've loved them for years. Yeah. They came out with an album last year and there's a song on there. And in the, um, in the song is one line that I actually used as the title for one of my blog posts not long ago about this. Um, and the, the, the line is this, it's, are you tough enough? To be kind, right? Okay, Are you tough enough to be kind? Oh yeah. So yeah. The, 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 yeah. Go ahead. Sure. Are you tough enough to be kind? Wow. Yeah. Right, because it's it's easy to be mean. It's easy to be snarky. It's easy to be rude. Oh, sure. You know, it's really hard to be kind to people uh -huh. when you when you have been mistreated, or whether whether in actuality or whether just in your mind. If you feel wronged, yep. it's really hard to turn the other cheek. 
Mm-hmm. But that's the, that's the example that Jesus set for us. That's what we're called to if you're a Christian and a believer. Mm-hmm. And that's, a, that's especially true in a hard situation because the Bible is very clear about that too. Like it's easy to be kind to people who are nice to us. Sure. Yeah, maybe really, you know, really hard to be kind to people who have wronged us. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more because maybe maybe we could actually live the gospel by being kind when we are being wronged, rather than demanding our own way, and that gets really muddled, especially in this blended family journey. It Um, does. So tell us uh, just what we've got a couple more minutes here, Joel. Kind of tell people how to find you, where you're at, blog. I know you do a podcast as well, but. You know, kind of do a little commercial here for yourself. Yo, well, thank you very much. Um, the easiest way to find me is by coming to my website, uh, and that's easy. It's reallifeleading.com. Uh, you can find me at reallifeleading.com. That's also my name on Twitter, at reallifeleading. Uh, I'm on Facebook under Joel Hallbaker, and I'm on LinkedIn under Joel Hallbaker. You can find me at any of those places. Um, and on my website, you'll find my blog. You'll find the, I forget how many dozen podcast interviews I've done now because I love doing this and sharing with yeah. people. Um, you'll find information about different um, conferences I've been to or colleges that I've spoken at or whatever it may be. And um, so that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. On my website, there's a contact Joel form. And okay. so it sends me an email. That's real easy to get in touch with me. Uh, and I would love to. I'd love to help out uh, any of your listeners that have questions. I'd love to answer uh, whatever I can. If you've got more questions about my story or background, yeah. uh, you can ask, ask my kids. I love to talk. This is what I do. I'm a high school teacher. Yeah, ask my kids. Um, yeah. So if yes. you could say – We were – I was – Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, it was funny. Um, so we're on spring break, and uh-huh. the girls are at their mom's house this week. But she was at work a lot of the day. So she said, hey, if you want to come pick up the girls this morning and keep them for a lot of the day, you guys have a great time. Cool. And that's the sort of thing I'm really thankful for. So I picked them up before lunch. We went to Starbucks and we went and we came back to the house and we played volleyball and soccer in the backyard and yeah. just, you know, had a great day together. And then I took them back to her, their mom's house right before she got home from work. Nice. Well, that's something, you know, that's, that's, that's the kind of thing that would have been um, not unthinkable, but it would have been a lot harder yeah. five or six years ago when there was a lot more hurt. But we've been doing this. And to, to her credit, we've always tried to be good about letting both of us see the kids, even if it wasn't necessarily our week, according to the legal agreement. That's good. Um, and I'm really grateful for that. And so that's the kind of thing where um, I'm, I'm, I like to share that little bit because that's, again, that's something you can hope for in the future. A better relationship leads to better interactions and it leads to more often interactions. And that's something to be grateful for as well. Right. Okay. So if you could sum up in maybe a sentence and a half, Mm-hmm. Uh, what what would you say to dads uh, trying to establish relationships with the stepdad, vice versa? Uh, I would say as much as possible, uh, one, take your ego out of it because you're not competing to be the, the kid's father. You are their dad, yeah. that nobody can ever take that away from you. Right. Um, two, I would say, and this is something that, that uh, his name is Kyle, my girl's stepdad, something Kyle and I both tried to do. Try to find things that you have in common where you can share wins together. And for us, that was bonding over sports, right? We we played different sports. He was a a football, basketball, golfer guy, right? Uh And I'm much more of a soccer, baseball, basketball guy. Uh But but we have sports in common. And so whenever we see each other at sporting events or school events or whatever, 
we talk about sports for a few minutes because it's an easy way for us to get along and, and share about what it is we're doing. And so, again, I I would say uh, try to put your egos out of the way. Find a way to become allies, even if it's about a little thing to begin with. And then three, really try to communicate with each other about how to work together raising the kids. So, again, if there's a situation where I need his help, I can call him and say, hey, listen, here's the situation. Could you help me out? And he can do the same thing. And that, again, that builds that relationship that the kids need to see. They, They need to see us getting along. So those are the things front. that I would say. Yep. Yeah, a united front. Awesome. Those kids are outnumbered, you know. That's we call good. those people. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yep. Brenda, you want to? No, I just wanted up? to thank you for reaching out and finding us, and um, we'll, you know, yeah, absolutely. All over, and yeah, yeah, thank you. We'll make sure we put all your contact information on our site and everything, and because uh, I think you're a great resource. Thank you. So, so and I think. Uh, with, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, wrapping up from our end, again, we would just want to encourage uh, couples mm-hmm. that are in blended families and in long term to think long haul, because if you ain't got the marriage, yes. you ain't got nothing. All right. The best gift we can give our kids That's is it. long marriage. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, glad you joined us today. You want to connect with us? Find us at restoredandremarried.com and on the usual social media outlets. We are available for coaching, counseling, marriage and step couple intensives, seminars, workshops, retreats, and so much more. We'd love to encourage you in your relationship. Give us a call today. 